It's been a long time since we did this. I'd like to welcome you back into Sports Day in the D. It's November 21st, 2013. Got a huge show coming up for you today. Still going to leave with the Pistons as you get my first take on the team after 11 games on the season. The Pistons are 4-7. and seven. We're going to talk about what they've done right and a lot of things that they've done wrong and a lot of questions in between. And I would be amiss to not talk about the Detroit Tigers today as they traded away Prince Fielder in exchange for Ian Kinsler on the Texas Rangers. Was this a good decision? We'll get to that and a whole lot more. It's Pistons and Tigers on Sports Day in the D. Come back from the break. Welcome back in from the break. It's Sports Day in the D, November 21st, 2013. We're getting back into this first show in a long time. I'm going to lead this off with the 4-7 and seven Pistons. And a lot of you guys who know me or you always call me as the most pessimistic guy on the planet. And I'm going to go ahead and lead off with some good news, actually, for the Pistons, even though they sit at 4-7 and seven in their first 11 games. As we get their first take on the Pistons, there's a couple things that I do like in terms of what the Pistons are doing. And it's Andre Drummond and Greg Monroe. It's the front court, it's the Pistons' future. Everybody knows about these two guys. The one thing I really like about the Pistons out of the two is that these two dudes are playing a lot of minutes and giving you some production. Greg Monroe's playing 36 minutes a night, Drummond's playing 35 minutes a night. That's a big bonus. Monroe, only 24 years of age, is ever near 15 points and 9 rebounds. And Andre Drummond, the 20-year-old out of UConn, is averaging you a double-double right now with 12 points and 12 rebounds. And Drummond's rebounding is good for 4th in the league right now in the NBA in these 11 games for the Pistons. But everything else in terms of that, everything else besides Andre Drummond and Greg Monroe has been absolutely terrible for the Pistons. And let me tell you why. You talk about the two acquisitions that the Pistons have had right now. We'll, we'll break in for another segment in terms of all the Pistons' questions, because this is going to be a little bit longer, and I want to split up these segments. But specifically right now, let's talk about Josh Smith and Brandon Jennings. These acquisitions right now, in terms of Jay Smooth, as he signed a four-year, $54 million, with the, $54 million contract with the Pistons right now, and Josh Smith has told you that this was his only option in terms of that press conference. So that tells you something, that maybe nobody else wanted Josh Smith because they know about all of his attitude problems, the way that he plays the game, his bonehead shot selection, everything else in and around that. And you know this guy can get you some steals and some blocks. He does play defense when he wants to play defense, and that's the key for me. But... I need to go ahead and back up some of my opinions with facts in terms of Josh Smith because everybody seems to think that I'm just a complete dumbass in terms of what Smith has done. And, I, and quite frankly, I can say that stuff now because this is an Oakland University affiliated. But let's talk about this. If everybody thinks I'm a complete idiot in terms of Josh Smith, I'm going to throw this stat out here just for you because this is the stats I had to pull up for not Elias Sports Bureau. This is the stuff on ESPNNBA.com anything that I can find, this is Josh Smith's career numbers from three-point, okay? For all of you out there that think Josh Smith is a serviceable option from three, you're crazy. And let me, you know, just tell you all of this just by saying this right now. Josh Smith, get ready for this. You better be sitting in a chair or whatever. Don't, don't be driving your car because you might crash it. Josh Smith is a career 28.4% from behind the arc shooting threes. That's his career percentage bombing threes. That is just completely mind-boggling and ungodly awful. 
in terms of what it is. If you want to know what that 28.4% pans out to, that means he's 285 out of 1,003. So 285 makes out of 1,003 attempted. That is awful. Just got awful. And right now, in 11 games already, Josh Smith has attempted 61 three-pointers. That's good for five and a half attempts a game right now in 11 games. So what the hell is a 28.4% career three-point shooter launching five and a half threes a game for? That makes absolutely no sense and is completely boneheaded. For as talented as Josh Smith is, he's making the game way too hard on himself. Why doesn't he try to drive in more inside and use his ungodly athleticism if all the Atlanta fans, all the dirty birds out there wanted to pan this dude and to be a Dominique Wilkins athletically, which I'm never going to compare him to Dominique Wilkins, but a lot of people from Atlanta love to say that. Oh, Jay Smooth, take it to the rack hard again. Dunk all over you, man. Yeah. He's 18 out of 61 shooting threes. That's absolutely preposterous for a guy that's so good at, should be at least, at playing defense and getting to the line, why is he settling for three-pointers when he's completely awful? So let's do this. Right now, we have played, the Pistons have played 11 games, and we've got an 82-game season, so you have 71 games left on the season. And I put this out there mathematically, so let's lower this down because you can't attempt a half a three a game. So let's be fair. If Josh Smith right now continues to shoot five threes a game for the 71 games that are left, he will have shot 355 more three-pointers. That's not adding his 61 that's already shot. So if he averages five three attempts a game, that'll be 355 more in the next 71 games from behind the arc. If you add that 61 in, that's 416 three-pointers attempted. And that's way too much for a guy that barely shoots over 28% from behind the arc. Now, everybody that thought this dude was shooting 35 36%, 34%, can you shut up now? Because you really don't know what's going on. Josh Smith's shot selection from three is completely awful, and I would be... I would just go ahead and give him another $15 million to add to that damn bonus that he's got for the four years, $54 million. I'll go ahead and throw another $15 million in there so he gets an even 69 because that's everybody's favorite number, all you sickos out there. If that's your favorite number, I'll give him another $15 million so he doesn't shoot another damn three in the Pistons uniform because I don't want to see him doing that if he's only shooting 28.4%. It's just completely awful. So... The most threes he's ever attempted right now for his career in a season is 201. He's attempted 201 threes, and if that's a red flag for you, it should be, because he attempted 201 threes last season with the Atlanta Hawks. He's already shot 61 threes so far in 11 games for the Pistons, and he's well on pace to shatter that record. So it's absolutely mind-boggling that he would even consider thinking that that's what he needs to be doing in order to help this team. But I rest my case. He's shooting a career 42% right now in these 11 games for the Pistons and his career percentage okay so let me do this again 42 percent so far right now for the Pistons it's four and a half percent off his career average there you go I almost got that backwards don't want to get that wrong in 2010 Smith shot a career high 50.5 percent in 2010 and 
This isn't ironic. This is completely out there for you. When he shot 15.5% in 2010 for the season, he only attempted seven three-pointers that year. He's already attempted 61 with the Pistons in 11 games. And keep in mind, like we mentioned a couple times already, he signed a four-year, $54 million contract with the Pistons, and I personally guarantee that I'll give him another $15 million. I'll find a way through the Carmanos Cancer Institute or donating for somebody to find Bill Gates or something. Give him another $15 million just so he doesn't another, shoot another damn three for the Pistons. Please, don't shoot any more threes. Brandon Jennings, the other acquisition that we got for you for the Pistons. Eight million a year, three years, $24 million. Now, Brandon Jennings, you talk about when he first burst on the scene having 45, 50-point games. The dude was just lightning in a bottle. He spent a year over overseas, and then he came in the NBA and he just lit it up. Well, this dude's only a career 39% field goal shooter. He's only in his fifth season, so he is young. He's only 24 years old. Maybe he'll pan out. But the one thing about Brandon Jennings, like Josh Smith, is the dude's got some attitude problems. And while Jennings, he can score points in a hurry, he can heat up, he's also very, very streaky. And you're also talking Brandon Jennings, in terms of if you're the Pistons, you want him to run the point guard. Well, he's not a very efficient point guard in terms of getting his teammates involved because he can't do that. He's more of a scoring guard. And the Pistons have already had this problem in terms of scoring guards because when you got tweeners like Rodney Stuckey and all of that and you get rid of Aaron Afalo, well, that's another show that's been done over and over and over again. But... It's a bad thing if you're the Pistons because this dude is not capable of playing point guard. And maybe he he can be built into that role because he's only 24 years old. And we talk about that this is a young man's game in the NBA. But that's another red flag that you got over there that Jennings can take some crazy shots too, like Smith. And he's not a very good field goal shooter in terms of that percentage. So it's a big problem. Where are the Pistons going to score points? And just here's the complete irony that we got here for you on Sports in the D and Crazy Delusional Pistons Radio, that Rodney Stuckey, in my opinion, especially in the last four games, is the only guy that has a legitimate role on this team. In his last four games, he scored 16, 16, 21, and 18 off the bench. And he's played a respectable six-man. And you know how much that pains my insides? How much my brain just wants to explode and my eyes just pop out of my skull to say that, Rodney Stuckey has been a respectable player in a Pistons uniform. It's absolutely mind-blowing, but at least this dude has finally found a home as a six-man, and he's actually played well. Now, when we come back in from the break, yeah, I actually said that he's played well. When we come back in from the break, we're going to talk about what the Pistons have done so far with the schedule that they've had and talk about some legitimate questions and concerns that we have about this team going forward as we talk about Josh Smith, Brandon Jennings, Rodney Stuckey, the four and seven Pistons, and the only bright spot is their front courts. When we come back from the break, let's bring up some critical questions, and then we'll close the show by talking about the Detroit Tigers and the trade of Prince Fielder to Ian Kinsler from the Texas Rangers. This is John at Sports Day in the D. John out, sports day in the D. It's a good old-fashioned nightmare talking about the Pistons and their 4-7 and seven start. My goodness. We spent the last selection of the show talking about Josh Smith and Brandon Jennings, and 
Let me go ahead and mention one other thing before we get into all these other questions. For everybody else out there that still blames me for everything I said about him shooting threes and all the good points that I made, Josh Smith is only a career 68% free throw shooter, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. Now we have the Pistons schedule in terms of that 4-7, and seven, and I'm going to ask you, did the Pistons do exactly what she expected in these 11 games? Let's 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 start it like this. The wins that the Pistons have had in this four and seven start in the eleven games, they've won against the Washington Wizards, the Boston Celtics, the Sacramento Kings, and the New York Knicks, but who hasn't been the New York Knicks? The losses Memphis Grizzlies in overtime, the best team in the league in my opinion in the Indiana Pacers, Oklahoma City Thunder, Portland Trailblazers, Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, that's a bad loss, and the Atlanta Hawks just last night. So four and seven. I read to you the wins and losses. Do you really expect, or is that what you expected of the Pistons right now in terms of everything that they've done? And maybe the the guy that wants to see the light at the end of the tunnel there, the optimistic, would say, yeah, I mean, that's reasonable. The Pistons beat the teams they're supposed to beat. They beat the Wizards, Celtics, Kings, and Knicks. And they lost in that the road trip against the, the Thunder, the Blazers, the Warriors, and the Lakers. And, and I, I understand that if, if you want to go ahead and say that, but I also need to throw back in your face in terms of everything else and what all the Pistons fans wanted. And I know all the Pistons fans that actually know basketball in terms of all that would say, we didn't want these guys on this team and I'm right there with you. I love the Pistons. It pains me to have to watch this team to the people that they bring in. You know, I... I wasn't really that happy about Brandon Jennings, and you know, everybody say I'm so hard on Josh Smith, whatever. You know, Brandon Jennings, at, le at least, yeah, he might be better than Brandon Knight, but at least Brandon Knight actually gave the effort and played hard and did everything that he was supposed to do. He was a character leader. He, he questioned the team when they didn't bring their effort, and so did Greg Monroe. And quite frankly, the team deserved to be questioned in the last couple of years, but now, now you're bringing in Drummond with all of that, and you have to watch... Drummond and Monroe play their ass off while this team just sucks it real hard, and it's it's just really really disappointing. But let, let's let's preface everything here by bringing up the West Coast road trip, and then we'll talk about all the questions in there too. And you know, you'll get my opinion at uh, Facebook.com/slash/tbugunslinger at Twitter at John Ryan Ott. Get at me, tell me I'm an idiot, all that stuff. I'd love to hear your feedback, everything that's been going on with the Pistons. Let's talk about this West Coast road trip for a minute. So, the Pistons, they had to play against OKC. They had to play against the Warriors, the Trailblazers, the Lakers, and they, they did beat the Kings. So they got one out of five on their road trip. One out of five. That's not good. But let's talk about it. The Warriors absolutely kicked the Pistons behind in the first quarter when they scored. I think it was like 35 points in the first quarter and the game was already over. Josh Smith got benched by Mo Cheeks. He only ended up with 10 points. The Pistons shot about 20% from the three-point line. Chauncey Billups, I know he's been injured, but he only played two minutes in that game, and I don't think he's played since. I don't. I think he's missed like the last five games. So everybody that talked about Chauncey Billups being a huge acquisition and him running the point, I don't think that that's panned out because they were a long way, ways away from 2004 when the Pistons won the championship when Chauncey was the playoff MVP. 
I know that you say that the middle 30s or whatever, that's still young enough to run a point because J.K. did it and won it with uh, the Dallas Mavericks and Dirk and all that, but Chauncey Billups has not been able to stay healthy. He went through a lot of injury concerns with the Los Angeles Clippers, and quite frankly, as much as I love Chauncey Billups and as much as he brought a championship back to Motown after the bad boys and all that, it was a long time with 89 and 90, Billups hasn't been able to stay healthy, and if he's not healthy and he's not on the floor, then the Pistons can't get any better. So I wondered why they were bringing him in, but maybe that's because Chauncey actually wants to retire here. But it hasn't really panned out yet because he hasn't been healthy. Hopefully he does, and maybe the Pistons can turn it around. So the West Coast road trip was an absolute disaster, and the Pistons put a put the cream on top of the sundae, or maybe you just you put the hot fudge and terms of a bunch of uh, hot crap that was on there and you shovel it and you feed it to one of your enemies that you hate a lot but that's pretty much how the Pistons played when Xavier Henry came all the way down the lane and just punched it on the Pistons and that was just a big moment in terms of a horrible road trip the Pistons probably did exactly what she expected and let's face it this is the Eastern Conference and you get it the Pistons will probably, even though they start a 4-7 and seven and the Eastern Conference is so bad, they'll probably still get an 8 seed. And is that really what you want right now if you're the Pistons? Is this really what you want? Let's talk about it here, because now we got the critical questions and all of that. Is this going to be another coaching carousel? This is another one of these questions I throw out at you. Like I said, you can get at me at facebook.com slash tbugunslinger, or to add Twitter, add John Ryan on. Let me know what you think. Is this going to be another coaching carousel? I like Lawrence Frank for the Detroit Pistons. I thought he was a good coach. Dude took the New Jersey Nets to the finals when Jay Kidd was running the point. I believe all Jay Kidd had at that time was Vince Carter and Richard Jefferson was nowhere near as good. And he only is just a spot of three-point shooter now. But anyway, Lawrence Frank was a good coach. He got let go. Now the Pistons brought in Mo Cheeks, who... Quite honestly, on that Thunder assistant coaching line, he wasn't able to do too much. I never really thought about Mo Cheeks as a great coach, so he comes in here. He's supposed to be high profile. I thought it was an absolutely stupid decision because you already had a good coach in Lawrence Frank. But is it going to be another coaching carousel? Because it certainly looks like it. My biggest question for you is what is the role of the players on this team? And I think that that's the biggest thing right now after 11 games in terms of the Pistons is... Who's actually going to play what, and who's going to get consistent minutes? Is Josh Smith going to continue to play three? I think he kind of has to, even though I much would I would rather have him play four, but he really can't do that because Monroe and Drummond have got to get all their minutes. They're the Pistons' future. They're the guys that got to grow. So Smith is locked in that spot, and I would want to have Smith play four if he could because he wouldn't be the guy jacking up as many threes and if he played a power forward right there he'd have so much more of a speed advantage and a dunking advantage he can jump over people and get rebounds blocks and steals because he gets blocks and steals he can get you a block and a half a steal and a half a game that's what he averages he could play some good defense when he wants to but what's the role of this team what's Chauncey Billups going to do when he's actually healthy because right now if Chauncey does get completely healthy, he needs to run point guard full-time for this team right now. I don't care. I mean, that's pretty much what he's got to end up doing. Maybe Brandon Jennings. You know, you talk about those double point guard roles in terms of about Chris Paul when uh, Chauncey Billups was in there with the Clippers, that Chauncey would run a two. And it, ma- it makes a lot of sense because maybe Chauncey is, uh, you know, he's a little bit, a Ath- little bit less athletically gifted than what he used to be, and I get that because he's getting older, but he's still a serviceable guy that can bomb me some threes and be 
big no Mr. Big Shot be clutch and maybe that's what he's gotta do. He's gotta run that point guard role still in terms of his defense not being as good and hopefully help Brandon Jennings figure everything out. That's what he's gotta do if he comes back. And the other thing, what are you gonna do with Contavious Caldwell Pope? KCP. You know, he struggled a little bit against the Atlanta Hawks, just like Josh Smith did in the other game, and that was their homecoming. And that's understandable. KCP's still a rookie. All the people that are getting on KCP 97 won the ticket over here in the local radio, I think is absolutely crazy already because I'm with a lot of the beat writers and everything else right now. If, if KCP, you got to give him as many minutes as you can because if he ends up panning out, he's a guy that can make shots against tough defenses. He gets his legs underneath him. He starts playing well. He's an athletic guy. He's going to be your starting too, and he's your future. So if you get KCP to play well, and then you got Monroe and Drummond, that's where the Pistons need to concentrate on right now. I wouldn't really care less if the Pistons get their production out of Jay Smooth and Brandon Jennings, because when you really think about it, they're not really the Pistons' future. They were just brought in here to put butts in the seats, and if Joe D really wants to be happy with an eighth seed, he'll probably get that, even though this team has been on a bad start. The Eastern Conference is not good. So if he really wants to get smashed in the first round by Indiana or Miami, you know, he, you know, he just let him be like that. Because if that's what he wants, if he wants to get smashed in the first round, but he wants to say, hey, we made the playoffs, well, that's pretty easy to do in the Eastern Conference. I mean, even the Boston Celtics have won four straight games in a row. They could still be a lock in there to get in over the Pistons, as much as that pains me to say that as much as my uh, fellow Boston fans out there, you know who you are, I'd like to mention that and throw that into my face. But that could happen. Who's going to run the point on this team? I still think Chauncey Billups, I'd like to see that maybe. Will Bynum. You know, I like Bynumite a little bit. And the reason why I like him is... I think he's a guy that already plays well with Andre Drummond. And sometimes with Will Bonham you say, yeah, he's undersized. But I never question the effort that he gives. And I know that he can get points in a hurry. And he can get it and going on isolations or getting it on his own. But he's always happy to get his teammates involved. That's just whether or not they're actually capable of scoring. So is anyone safe on this team? For me, no. Honestly, the only guys I don't touch... Or Andre Drummond. Maybe that's only guy, I should say. I really don't want to move Greg Monroe. But think about it for me. It's KCP, Greg Monroe, and Andre Drummond. With absolutely untouchable is Andre Drummond. The reason why I say maybe Greg Monroe, and that's only if, and you're not going to get this, but I'm going to go ahead and just tell you this right away. If someone gave me a top five protected pick for Greg Monroe, I'd ship his ass out of here. Just because the draft is so good, talking about Andre Wiggins, talking about Jabari Parker out of Duke, I think Jabari is going to be the number one pick in the draft. I don't think there's any question. Dude's getting you 20 points a game every game for Duke right now. He's the number one pick. You can talk about Wiggins probably having more upside out of Kansas, but this draft is so deep, and you can't forget about Marcus Smart, who could have declared for the NBA draft last year. Draft is so deep, the Pistons are going to be able to get somebody good. So if they did get a top five Merv Monroe, I'd, I'd ship him out of here. Right now, if you're the Pistons, you really got to decide what you want to do, because right now, like I mentioned, at 4-7, and seven, the Pistons could go ahead and still get an 8th seed and get smashed in the first round. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. But what I'm going to say right now is if the Pistons are still sitting in there and they're going to be a bottom feeder 8th seed, but they don't know what they want to do, if that's not what they want, if someone offers you a top 10 for Jennings, 
or Smith or both for a top 10, I'm shipping both of these guys out there for a top 10. I'm starting all over. I'm rebuilding around Drummond and Monroe. I know all these Pistons fans are tired about saying they're going to start all over, but honestly, I think that's what you need to do. I think Maurice Cheeks is a terrible coach. I think all of these guys are going to be able to get it together. Maybe this is too crazy to talk about what the Pistons should do after 11 games, but this is the first take where you can certainly sit there and think about what this team is after 11 games. I think it's fair. That's why I wanted to wait for the first show to do it now. But what the Pistons are, you know, they're, they're a middle-of-the-pack team. They're going to finish middle of the road, probably get a 15, 16, 17, 18th pick. If that's what they want, they might not get much better. Maybe the draft is so deep they might get somebody. But this is what they need to do. If you can get Monroe for a top five, he's gone. If you can get Jennings and Smith for a top ten or individually for a ten, they're gone in my opinion. Get rid of that money. You still got stuck in going a waiver to get rid of. You can get rid of a lot of money in terms of if you're the Pistons. I wouldn't sign anybody. If you don't want to sign anybody in the offseason, don't bother doing it. You got Monroe. You got Drummond. You got KCP. I like to keep Walt Bynum. I like what he brings. I want to keep him here. I don't care what they pay him. Walt Bynum is a guy that actually gets buckets as a team player, and he plays really well with Andre Drummond. So I'm keeping him in here because he's actually scoring points. Kyle Singler, Peyton Siva, keep all the young dudes in there, all that stuff, let them get their burn and figure out what they're going to do. If they want to figure out what their plan is in the offseason, it just depends on, I gave it gave you my take, it depends on what they want. If they want to be an eighth seed and to continue to get blown out, just continue on this straight path. And if you don't, if you want to get some changes, I would say venture out for those trade possibilities, figure out what you're going to do, because definitely you're going to get rid of Rodney Stuckey and Charlie V, unless you really want to keep Stuckey as a sixth man, that that's their priority or whatnot. But those are expiring contracts, so they probably won't be back here. But I gave you my take. Is What do you think the Pistons should do? Because I think right now they're a middle-of-the-pack team. they got two awesome guys in the front court, Monroe and Drummond. I know Monroe's not that athletically gifted, but I think he gives you production. And Drummond is a double-double machine, and he's only going to get better. And hopefully he can work on his jump shot and figure things out. Pistons right now are eighth seed looking to get bounced in the first round. Told you what I thought that they should do. What are what are your thoughts? Get at me on Facebook and Twitter. When we come back in from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about the Detroit Tigers. There's a huge blockbuster trade as Prince Fielder went to the Texas Rangers in exchange for second baseman Ian Kinsler. Coming back in from the break, we're going to talk a little bit Motor City Kitties. This is John Ott, Sports Day in the D. That's the man I wanted in the Pistons uniform if you had to pick one. But we got Jay Smooth and Brandon Jennings. Anyway, it's glad to be done with all that. Talking about the impressive Philadelphia 76ers and the Phoenix Suns, even though they got five protected picks and they're in a better situation than the Pistons. But again, I digress. Let's talk about the Detroit Tigers in terms of everything that's been going on right now. Pritz Fielder is a Texas Ranger. Yes, the Rangers have picked up on Prince because they wanted a piece of that seven years that was left. The Tigers get off the hook of another $72 million as the Albatross just gets completely untangled from their necks and the Rangers take care of it. Now here's the thing. In terms of all of that, I know everybody around Detroit 
quoting myself, hated Prince Fielder because within the last two seasons, we didn't mind anything he did in the regular season. I love 100 ribbies. And none of us even cared that his home run numbers down from like 20 and 25 rather than hitting 35-40 as everybody expected him to do. We get all that. We're all right with him getting 100 RBIs, or at least I would hope so. Because if you think that he needs to get more... I think you're absolutely crazy. I'm good with 100 RBIs every year in a regular season. That's awesome to me. Hitting 280, hitting 300, I don't care. It's good for that. The problem is when you got him for the nine years and you got him for the $214 million for the nine years, problem is with him is within the last two seasons that he was with the Tigers, he got you a grand total of zero RBI in the playoffs, and that's not going to get it done. His career numbers in the playoffs were Prince, zero RBI. And his batting average, I believe, is just barely over 100 or whatever, something like that. But he's got zero RBI. That's the main step that cannot be argued. And I know he's a great regular season player. I know he's going to give you 100 ribbies and all of that. I get it. Him going to Texas is going to be a good thing for the Texas Rangers in the first couple of seasons because he's a left-handed power bat. I think he is going to get you 30, 35 bombs for Texas. He could possibly surprise you and get you a 40-bomb season. I doubt that, but I can guarantee you he can get at least 35. And when Tim Kirchin, just a few hours ago, I mean, by the time you get this, you're going to get it in the morning, but just a few hours ago, when Kirchin was talking to Prince Fielder, he said he absolutely hated hitting in Comerica Park, but I know he's got to love that contract. They'll get in $214 million, because who in the hell wouldn't sign for that? I believe firmly, I know there's people out there that say that well, Mike Illich loved uh, Cecil Fielder, so he got uh, Prince or whatever. I don't care about any of that history. I think about it looking at it this way. If Victor Martinez never got hurt, if he didn't get that ACL tear, if he wasn't out for the whole year, there's no way in hell that the, that the Tigers would have ever signed Prince Fielder. But, you know, it was just precautionary measure. They just went a little bit too crazy, a little bit too overboard. They're trying to get the World Series now because Illich is not in great health. And I get it. Trying to get a guy in there to bring some numbers and hopefully give us some protection behind Miggy. And I think he did a little bit of that. I think the Tigers will suffer a little bit in that regular season. Miguel Cabrera, back-to-back MVPs, best hitter in baseball, bar none. That's going to suffer a little bit because Miguel Cabrera is going to get intentionally walked a little bit more. Victor Martinez probably won't put up those same numbers in terms of that RBI total. He's going to give you way the hell more in terms of average and all of that. Not going to do the same thing in power, but that's not because lack of trying. It's just because V-Mart's getting older. He doesn't have that same kind of pop in his bat as the humongous vegetarian hat. But with all of that said, I think the Tigers did the right thing. I think the Rangers did the right thing for a couple seasons because they really needed a left-handed power bat. The Rangers really want to get into a win-now mode. And what's the best thing for them to do right now? Get a left-handed power bat. And good riddance to Prince Fielder, and I'm sure he's going to do well in Arlington. I think his power numbers are going to go up. I think the Tigers will miss him a little bit. But in terms of that playoffs and everything else that Prince has done here when he did absolutely nothing, he can hum and haw and say it's no big deal and we'll get it the next game. We don't want to hear all these damn comments about all that stuff. You need to take responsibility. I don't care about the divorce, the stuff with their kids. Everybody's got problems. But when you need to go, you need to go to work, get some productions, you're paid to be there. You got the $214 million. You got the nine years. You only spent two of them here. 
you really could care less about all the fans and all that stuff, and you really could care less about what you did, because in the end, you got paid, then I tell you, go to hell, man, because honestly, if that's really how you feel, I know that's not quotes, it's probably just me talking out of my ass, but if that's really how he feels, then we don't really don't need him, and honestly, all the Tigers fans and all that really were sitting there booing you, and that was for good reason, that wasn't just to get on your back, it's because they were expecting you to do better with all the stuff they were paying you. So the Tigers will be hurting with the first couple seasons missing Prince Fielder because I think Miguel Cabrera's production is going to go down a little bit. I know Miguel Cabrera just turned 30. He's a beast. He's the best hitter in baseball. He's going to be a beast at least for another three or four seasons. And then after that, I you know I think hopefully the injury problems, especially for Miguel now that he's back at first base, all that stuff will be behind him. Hopefully that'll be good for Miguel as well. But I think that's the uh, moves that both teams need to be making. But specifically here on Sports in the D, we're talking about the Tigers. So let's talk about it. What does $72 million get you? What, what does that get you? And I think right now, when you really think about it, you've got to re-sign that Cy Young winner in Max Scherzer. Is he going to have the same kind of season that he had next season? No, I really don't think so. The numbers in front of me, or whatever as they say with the Arizona Diamondbacks, yeah, he's a good strikeout pitcher. He really blossomed here more in terms of that strikeout numbers in Detroit. He, he can do that. He's got a good fastball and all that, but his ERA is kind of high. He did get blessed with having a lot of runs this season. Good run support. The team played well behind him. I get all of that. Max knows that, and I think Max also wants to be here as well. And Scott Boris being the agent, pretty much he's in love with everybody in terms of the Detroit Tigers because Scott Boris pretty much owns all those guys, and Illich is mainly the guy that he deals with, and Dabrowski and all of that. I think a deal is going to get done, and I think Max is going to be here in the off season. Or if they don't sign, maybe they can see what happens, and Max will be off the books as well. Maybe the Tigers will have even more to spend. But with Ian Kinsler coming here to Motown, I know he's getting older, and I know that his five-tool system and everything is not going to be as good. You're talking about a dude that's probably going to hit you about 260, 270, probably get you about 15, 20 bombs. That would be nice if you got 20 bombs because then everybody would forget about Prince Fielder over here if he at least did that because you go say, come on, Prince, you can at least do that. I think I think all of us are in agreement with that. You're talking about Andy Dirks being your leader in steals with seven last season and the Tigers being in dead last in terms of steals. And, you know, you could argue with me and say that if you didn't believe that if the Tigers couldn't have beat the Red Sox or whatever, I thought they could. They should have been up two games to nothing. They blew it when they gave up the grand slam to Big Pop. You know, the last couple seasons hasn't panned out. Tigers lost to the Red Sox, and then the season before that they got swept by the Giants in the World Series. It's not been good. Tigers want to get to where they need to get to. They haven't been able to do that. With Ian Kinsler, I think that pretty much says goodbye to Johnny Peralta and Omar Infante, in my opinion, especially since you got a second baseman now, got him signed, He's here to stay. Whether Ian Kinsler is as good as he was, I'm not sure. Maybe that moves Austin Jackson down to that eighth spot. He seemed to do a lot better after striking out about 27 times in a row in the postseason. And, you know, he was under a lot of pressure, but I give Austin Jackson all the credit in the world of being able to make a little bit of adjustment as where, adjustment as where Prince Fielder couldn't do that at all. Maybe this moves Austin Jackson down on the seventh or eighth spot and gives him a little bit of a breath to take, to have him feel a little bit better about himself. Ian Kinsler could probably go in that leadoff spot. Whether or not he's going to pop out a lot because he's trying to hit bombs or whatever, it's going to happen. You're going to have to deal with some of that stuff, but I can guarantee you that Ian Kinsler is going to get more than seven steals this year. He will be the Tigers' leader in steals. I would like to see 
uh, Austin Jackson run a little bit more. I know we talk about all that stuff, but I think Brad Ausmus, I know Jim Leland is not there anymore. In terms of all of that, hopefully the Tigers will run a little bit more and try to make something of an effort because, you know, they finished 30th out of 30th, and, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. The Tigers could have gone to the World Series again. I get it. But it would be nice to see this team run a little bit, and I guarantee you I would think personally, been my house on it, that Ian Kinsler is going to have more than seven steals this coming season for the Tigers. So here's a question that I throw out there to you. You can get at me at Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash TBU Gunslinger, Twitter at John Ryan. Let me know what you think. The question I throw out to you is Would you be happy right now as the Tigers got rid of Prince Fielder in exchange for Ian Kinsler from Texas? Would you be happy right now if the Tigers did not make any more moves in the offseason? Just pretty much got the albatross off their neck. Are you content with that? That's my question out there. I know it's a simple question, but I think that there would be some people out there that would say yes. I think that's all the Tigers needed to do. You can just plan out everything else. You know the Tigers, they do want to get better, but this was the most important move that needed to be done. Because quite frankly, and there's a lot of time before the next season starts, and there's a lot of moves that are going to be made, or maybe some stuff that won't, won't be made. You don't know what's going to happen with Nick Castellanos, what position he's going to play. Thankfully, he's not going to be playing outfield. He might be moving to third base. I'm playing that, because now McGee can go back to first, and hopefully he won't get hurt. But are you okay with just that move in the offseason? Are you all right with that? Because right now I think about all this other money. I love Max Scherzer. Let me be completely honest. I'm glad that he won the Cy Young. He was deserved. You got three award winners in a row right now for the Tigers, but they've had nothing to show for it. You know, it's been a hell of a job for them to have all these awards. It just would be nice if they can get one of these World Series and their belts, not just the championship belt that you're talking about that Scherzer got from the WWE. I don't know if you saw that picture. Definitely on there. You can go on Twitter and see it. But you want them to have a World Series under their belt. So right now, if you're the Tigers, you got all this money, and you know there's going to be some changes made. You know, Matt Tuiasasopo is no longer there. I know that's going to free up a spot. Hopefully, if you're the Tigers, you're not going to do that platooning stuff anymore with Donkey Kong, Don Kelly, or Andy Dirks. Hopefully you go out there and sign a left fielder. There was some rumors that Andrew McCutcheon doesn't want to play anymore with the Pirates. I really don't see that happening. I don't see McCutcheon coming into Motown, but if he does, it would be kind of salty to have that lineup of McCutcheon, Jackson, and Torrey Hunter out there when you got Miggy, Castellanos, Kinsler, and uh, Iglesias at short. It wouldn't be so bad. I think that they'd be all right. You don't know what the Tigers will do with Avila, Jackson, Hunter, all that stuff upcoming, what they're going to do with Cabrera. So that's why I wonder right now, should the Tigers sign Max Scherzer again? This is his last year. You know what? Honestly, right now, unless they can get a deal done where they're going to save themselves some money, maybe where Miguel Cabrera is going to, they're already talked to him in the forefront, and maybe he can cut some money back. Because right now, if you're Miguel Cabrera, now that, Prince Fielder is gone, and JV's already got his deal signed. If I was Miguel Cabrera, I wouldn't hesitate to ask for the most money in terms of what a Tigers a dude in this roster is going to pay for, because he deserves it. Right now, if he retired, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. And right now, I know it's me, and this is me talking with my heart, not with my head. Being completely honest with you, I really want Miguel Cabrera to stay here for the rest of his career. He's already done so much for the Detroit Tigers. He's already put them on the map. You know, you can talk about that with Pudge and Magalie Ordonez and Jim Leland and them turning it so around. But how quickly do you forget about how bad the Tigers were in the 90s and in the early 2000s? 
in 06 when the Tigers finally made the World Series, even though it didn't end so well against the hands of the St. Louis Cardinals. But I think we quickly forget about that, about how bad the Tigers were, about them only being one loss away from setting the all-time loss record in terms of the season of the 162 games. I think we forget about that quickly. I know there's people out there, and I've been talking to you, say that you want the Tigers would be smart to flip Miguel Cabrera in a few years because maybe his production is just going to not be as good. I don't want to hear about any of that. I want him to be a Tiger for the rest of his career. I don't care. You can give him the pull holes contract. I don't think he's going to end up breaking down like that where he's just going to be completely a shell of himself. I don't see that happening with Miguel. He's, he could be my DH and my first baseman, and toward the end of it, he can be a DH because his bat is just so damn good. And you saw what Miguel was able to do against Mo Rivera and him being hurt for the whole second half of the season. And, yeah, you can say the Tigers mismanaged everything, but with him being able to carry you, I honestly think if he was helped, the Tigers would have won a World Series this year. And with Miguel Cabrera, the Tigers really don't need to do too much. You solidify that outfield a little bit. Maybe you don't sign Max Scherzer. You get more depth in terms of that catching position, because you did lose Brian Pena. I know that's a very small thing, but Alex Avila does need a backup because he gets hit with the ball pretty much like 174 times a game. So dude's always getting hit. So Tigers can get some more depth in that outfield. They don't need to get that platoon squad with Donkey Kong, Don Kelly, and, Al- and uh, Andy Dirks. They can get that taken care of. They can get somebody pretty good. They can get somebody to... Uh, if they don't want Ian Kinsler to be in that spot or they need to find a third baseman to be able to sign, I think the Tigers would be smart if they don't want to sign Max Scherzer. you still got Drew Smiley. I know you're going in from having the best rotation in all of baseball to not possibly having that anymore. We'll say definitely not having that anymore if Max Scherzer's not there. But I think there's other spots where you can go ahead and spend that money. You're talking about Illich about him wanting to get that World Series. Maybe the Tigers now, you know, they were a smaller market team before all of this stuff started happening. I was, you know, people just seem to forget about that. Tigers do need to figure about keeping that wallet a little bit more tight. If they don't sign Max Scherzer, they can allocate that money elsewhere. And the rest of that money in there, maybe the Tigers can make themselves a better team all the way around so they have a couple more years to make a run at this and figure it out because they really need to get one World Series. If they can go ahead and do that, then the fans will pretty much forgive all that because honestly, Detroit's a pretty good town in terms of all that, in terms of baseball. They're a party town. If you give this team one World Series... Everything will be good in terms of everything that we went with in terms of Prince Fielder and all that stuff. I know it would suck to lose Max Scherzer and all that stuff wouldn't feel as good in terms of that pitching rotation, but I could argue with you that the Tigers would make themselves a heck of a lot better if they figured out where that money should end up going. So this is going to be John Ott signing off for Sports Day in the D right now. We have a good discussion with the Pistons and the Tigers. Let me know what you think about in terms of Facebook.com slash TBU Gunslinger. You can leave some comments or at Twitter at John Ryan Ott. And let me just break this down real quick. The latest blog post in terms of the NBA, the top five, all this of the breakdowns, we'll be getting back into that as my internet's been down lately. But the latest blog post, 360slams.blogspot.com. You can view the top five point guards, in my opinion. Let me know what you think. We're going to get a little, add a little bit of that more of the NBA content, and you can always get the play-by-play at yourlisten.com slash tbugunslinger. Got a lot of play-by-plays uploaded already for the new season. Let me know what you think about that. But this is John Ott signing off for Sports Day in the D. Have a good night and have a good weekend, everyone.